Hi, I'm Bruce News Editor Matt Kirkegaard and welcome to the first ever special edition of Below the Fold. Below the Fold is the part of our weekly beer news podcast where we step beyond the headlines and discuss some of the stories or beer events of the week in a little more depth and with a little more opinion than just the news story itself. Listeners will know that over the last couple of weeks I've been discussing the PR-driven aspects of the Zero Alk drinks category. Last week, I went on a bit of a tear about a media release that I'd received from Sons Drinks that stated that doctors are encouraging people not to drink when they're having their COVID vaccinations. And I included a link to an article that purported to back up that claim, but I didn't think that it actually did. And I was expressed concerns about COVID being used to sell anything at the moment. Clearly, one of our listeners mentioned the discussion to Sons Drinks founder Irene Falcone, saying that she had been mentioned, and on Friday afternoon, I got a call from Irene wanting to discuss the matter. As a result of that conversation, I invited Irene onto the podcast to discuss the release herself, so that way she had the right of reply to the things that I said, and also our audience who heard it could hear her point of view as well. As you'll hear though, the conversation that followed is almost a beer as a conversation in its own right. It's a great chat. And we do discuss that media release that I was very surprised and a little bit concerned to learn that Irene wasn't fully across what the PRs had done. But outside of that, it was a fantastic chat about the ins and outs of the retail shop that only sells alcohol-free beer, wine and spirits. Rather than edit that chat down to fit Brews News Week as a small segment, I felt that it deserved its own lift-out colour supplement to your weekly audio beer newspaper. And so this is that conversation now. Enjoy my conversation with Irene Falcone. Irene Falcone, welcome to Bruce News Week. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, yes, uh, as <laughs> Thanks you for having me, me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, as, as you point out, uh, we did have a bit of a, a chat about a media release uh, that came out uh, last week, and you contacted me about that. And uh, this time we get to discuss it actually with you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk about it with you. <laughs> now, um, when we spoke last week, we'd had a bit of a, a, a chat. And uh, now I've been, just a, as background, I'm a supporter of alcohol-free versions of, of drinks. You know, there, there are a lot of questions around, you know, who's drinking them and, and what. The point I was making is that the rise of them seems to have been driven by a lot of media attention in them as much as by consumers actually going, you know, I'd really like to have this beer but without the alcohol in. And so that was where I came from. And I was a little bit surprised that when um, you'd, uh, you'd contacted me, you'd heard that I'd talked about the media release um, that I'd received from your um, public relations team, um, but hadn't specific, you know, weren't specifically aware of what they'd said. No, <laughs> it was a little bit of a shock to me um, as well. So I'm so thrilled that I was able to get in touch with you and sort of get to the bottom of where this information um, <laughs> came from. And um, and I'm so, yeah, it's going to be great just to talk about it and clear the air. I can give you my personal views and um we can, yeah. Absolutely. Discuss. So now, have you read the media release now? Because it does quote you in it. It sort of does. I mean, I was trying to find a direct quote, but it's thereabouts. I mean, there is no doubt a media release that comes from my PR company, regardless if I've seen it or approved it or not, is my responsibility. So I take full responsibility for the media release and I'm not going to at all pass the blame 
Um, so that's that. I also have heard that um, it's not good to drink in between the jabs. I mean, obviously, it's really important that as many people as possible go out and get vaccinated. That that's that's sort of the number one thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. That's really really important. Um, I, I guess from from my perspective, without trying to capitalise on the um, COVID situation to try and sell non-elk BR, which is how this would come across, and I get that. Um, I also genuinely want as many people to be able to have the um, the vaccine uh, effective as well. So I guess if there are any um, issues with the vaccine jabs and drinking in between and, and perhaps they're not being as effective, um, then, of course, I would want that not so much as a founder of a business that sells non-alc drinks, but just as a community member, if mm. that makes sense as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and again, that was uh, that, that was the perspective I was coming from. And uh, mm. actually, I'm surprised that you say that you, you didn't see a um, uh, direct quote because the the, the one that I'm looking at. Um, says Sonstrink's uh, founder Irene Falcone says the effect of zero alcohol beers is that drinking beer can now be considered as healthy. Um, inverted commas, uh, you know, open quote, we stock a wonderful range of beers um, you know, that goes on, um, including our Erdinger wheat beer, which contains vitamin B12, folic acid and polyphenols. Close um, parentheses says uh, Irene. So there were direct quotes from you, and uh, you know, and the one I'm looking at doesn't have that quote in it, so I still have not actually uh-huh. got a copy of that exact press release. I might so have to send why... you a. Co- I might have to send you a yeah, copy of your own media release. Yeah, then. that's right. But thinking about that, um, do I think non-alcoholic beers are healthy? Well, I do. I do think they're a healthier alternative to drinking alcohol. I, I think you would agree. That as well. Well, look, I'll be. I'm not. I, I really don't enter into the discussion. I'm not a doctor. Um, it, it is my point of view, and you know, there's a whole lot of. Uh, we, we actually did a podcast called Confounding Variables, where we talked about these sorts of things. That you know, there are some studies that some people cherry pick that say that people who consume one to two standard drinks and can limit themselves to that live longer than people that don't have one to two standard drinks, but then there are people who specialise in epidemiology that talk about, well, that might be because people who can moderate one area of their lives are able to moderate other areas of, of their lives. We haven't filtered out those confounding variables. So the, the, the short answer is I stay right away from anything healthy. You know, I preach the moderation um, message um, that if you are going to drink alcohol, drink moderately. But I also know that you know there's a school of thought that says that the social aspects that the sense of trust um, you know alcohol does release a whole lot of dopamine and endorphins that encourage social interaction uh, and, and things that maybe there are some benefits but I, I certainly you know I, I talk about beer generally I certainly don't preach uh, get on it it's good for you uh, message but sorry that was my little uh, background um, yeah. statement. yeah and I think that's a really interesting point I had not I'll be honest up until I did a recent podcast, I actually did a podcast recently. I don't know if that's gone to air, but it was the most awkward podcast I've ever done. <laughs> and I, I really regret, I really regret uh, doing that one. And I've um, got my PR publicist, publicist again to thanks for that. But it was actually with a doctor, and I didn't realise that the podcast had a doctor on there. And we, you know, we, we were sort of talking about 
you know, alcohol and it not being healthy in general, not yep. particularly beer in general, but just in general. And the, the fact that, you know, it causes people to do things like domestic violence and drink driving and there's a whole bunch of things and there's the cancer cancel came out and that we were having that discussion and he was very aggressive I think towards me about the blue zones and how these people are living longer and they're drinking two or three standards a day and that as a doctor I think he was actually encouraging that way of thinking um yeah and so actually up until that until that podcast I hadn't even thought I hadn't even thought that there was another that there could be a healthy option or a healthy side effect to drinking up until then. But my mind has changed a little bit from that conversation. Yeah, I'll have to go listen to the podcast if you um, remember which one it was, or I'll, I'll certainly go uh, looking for it. But it, it, it's yeah, just not something that that that, that we preach or talk about. Um, it, it's very much the, the business of beer as opposed to any health benefits. But um, maybe. You, you can tell us a little bit of the background to how you founded uh, Swan Strengths. Well, I used to drink a lot, actually, a, a really a, a hell of a lot. And I had, um, you know, I was just on this great health journey and I had come off selling my my last, my first business, which was the health and wellbeing space. So that's my background, mm-hmm. health and wellbeing space in my ba- is my background. And I was sort of trying to cut down on on alcohol because I had seen a specialist and I was having some gut health issues and that was affecting my energy and so I wanted to drink less but I love wine so I really went out looking for non-alcoholic wine at the bottle shop and 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 really they they didn't have any and I tried the stuff in the supermarket and it was crap I personally don't drink beer because I'm gluten intolerant so I can only drink um I drink the sober uh gluten-free one which is awesome really love that um that one but in general I can't really drink beer and, and that sort of because of my gut health issues so that's why i founded sans drinks because i had was sort of on this road to discover non-alcoholic drinks that could replace the ones that i had so i could still have those social interactions that we talk about and have my routines and be the drinking fun girl that i am and when i started discovering some really great stuff that's when i thought i think there's a market here and i thought wouldn't it be wonderful I mean, when I started Sands Drinks, everybody, I mean, people, the thought of non-alcoholic wine, I mean, beer had come a little bit further, but why, people just thought that's just crazy talk. What You know, that's grape juice. And I thought, imagine if I could have a place where people could buy these and not feel judged and not feel like they're buying, you know, grape juice or cordial. Mm. And so that's why I started it because I wanted to have an adult option. And I also really wanted to tell people guys, did you know, you know, did you know if you like beer, you can get a non-alcoholic beer. It's been sold for years and years and years in Germany and it tastes just like real beer and, you know, you can still hold it in your hand and you know what, you can even put a stubby holder around and people (laughs) won't even know, Um, you know, and you'll still taste and smell like beer and then you can drive home and do the soccer stuff and and those sorts of things. I just thought that was, it was like an untapped, um, I mean, your market would know because you live and breathe the space. But mm. for the general person, like my husband or someone's uncle or brother, um, they didn't know that these existed. So for me, it was really about driving that knowledge that there were options. And and I'm, I would like to add as well that I'm not part of the sober community. So my business has never been about don't drink. You know, my business, my audience are people who drink. People who don't drink aren't interested in my drinks because 
they're just drinking lemonade anyway. Yeah, and funnily enough, because you did a survey that we also referenced, um, and it was interesting that of the 700-odd recipients um, of, the, of the survey or people who completed the survey, um, more than a third drank two to four times a week, just under a quarter drank only on weekends, 12% drank every day, and only uh, a shade under 30% uh, don't drink alcohol at all. So you're obviously catering to people who want to enjoy, for whatever reason, the things that they often enjoy, but just without the alcohol. Oh, absolutely. So when it comes to beer, the type of guy that's coming into my store is usually like a tradie, like the tradie sort of type, and they drink real beer, but they just want to have a couple of, usually they actually might drink a few non-out beers, um, like they start with an alcoholic beer and then move to a non-out beer Mm. in the same evening, Um, or it might be that they drink this, the non-alcoholic beer, sort of Monday to Friday, and then they turn on to the alcoholic beer later in the week. They they mix it up. It's not one or the other, and I I think that's been a a testament to the success of Sands Drinks in that it's been about that approach that, I mean, everybody generally that I've spoken to, maybe because it's my audience, but most people generally want to drink a bit less um, because there are health benefits to drinking less because of the calories and, and stuff. One hundred percent. I'm in that. I'm in that model. <laughs> and, and again, I, yeah. it, 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 And that was the point that I, I made uh, last week. That you know, I, absolutely. But I generally, personally, choose to drink something other than you know, e- even the much lower calories um, that alcohol-free beer has. You know, I would rather drink water. And, and save well, you're that. not my customer. No, well, no, no sorry about that. Um, but it, again, it's, it's nothing against it because I, I can see that there is a, a need for it. And you've also identified people that perhaps want to be seen to be drinking and not have to explain why they're not. Um, so it's almost um, having having the beer in front of you shows that you're drinking beer even if you're not drinking alcohol. Especially in a situation where you're talking and socialising, you tend to just put something in your hand, walk around and, and, and sort of sip it and you don't really realise how much you're drinking. So to be able to sort of inter- interchange. And can I be honest, that's when I'm likely to be doing it as well because I don't want to have to explain, hey, aren't you a beer writer? You're not, why are you drinking water? Um, you know, so you can sort of give the appearance that you're still drinking when you're not. Absolutely. And I think that like the, the market in, in, in Australia, you know, it's what's really interesting is when I started the business, a lot of obviously I got what's the point of that, that's going to fail. Um, but most of the reason people thought the business would fail is because we have such a drinking culture mm. in Australia. But what's interesting is that it's because of the drinking culture that the business has been that the, that, that let's forget my business but yep. let's talk about the non-alc beer category the non-alcoholic beer category has been really successful in Australia and growing really strong probably even at a higher rate than even my business is is growing and that higher rate than the than the wine and the spirit category is growing and I think that's because we do have a drinking culture and I think that helps because it's not an alcohol culture we have. It's a drinking culture. It's a drinking, it's, it's, drinking. It's not a culture of drinking the way that perhaps the French and the Germans do. It's a drinking culture. We, we, we drink to drink. To socialise. We yeah. need to socialise, yeah. And I think that's the common thread between regular beer, low beer, and the non-elk beer, I think. Now, and, and you said the business is expanding. Your PR person got back and said, I think you're opening, <laughs> you're looking at expanding. Now, they may not... You, you may not have wanted them to say that, but it sounds like you're on a bit of a tear and you are expanding. 
Well, yeah, I have to because if I don't, somebody else will. Mm. So we do have, yeah, we will expand to 20 stores across Australia. But the stores, the stores are really an ad for the online as well. I mean, we're in COVID at the moment and, I mean, whilst my bottle shop is open, um, it's very quiet out there and so it should be as well. I certainly don't want people Mm. coming out of their home shopping when they should be at home. I'd much prefer they... They bought online. Um, I'm not. I, I don't even know how I feel about alcohol, like about bottle shops being allowed to be open in this time as well. I do think people can order these all the drinks, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, online. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but yes, so I think once um, this everyone gets their backs and we all we can all resume business again then I think that the bricks and mortar stores will have a place again and will do well because they it did so well it did so the store just did so well when everything was back to normal across May June and early July which was good Mm. Um, now now the online stores picked up and the bricks and mortars dropped down so opening up my 20 stores whilst it is in the plan it's not something that I'm planning on doing right this minute now just want to wait till life goes back to normal i mean i can't even travel right now to to perth (laughs) and um and open it so uh, i'm really passionate about the space though i really am i think um what do you think do you think it's here to stay look i i think it is i uh, again and this was where the discussion was um last week is that i think there's absolutely a market for it but at the moment there seems to be you know driven by public relations and newspaper much more than consumer demand, which is a great way to advertise um, a product and create awareness for it. But it, it's a little bit of the cart before the horse for the moment. Um, but I think there's certainly growing demand and growing interest. And as the people who make them get better at doing it, there's uh, more and more reason for people to try them. Do you think it's interesting that the media is really caught on, on to this? Because for my first business, which was selling natural beauty products, mm. I was basically the first person in Australia to ever sell natural beauty products. And I got a little bit of publicity in the beginning because it was really fresh and really new and no one had done it before. But to get more than one or two articles was like really, was a real struggle. And and I, I really couldn't get any publicity for that business. It was really hard. This business, I've got to say, like hand on heart, I know that I have a PR company and I know they send out press releases and I know other beer companies do that as well and it's because we don't have big advertising budgets to be able to do the ads that Mm. we would like to do if we were Carlton. Absolutely. Um, So it's the only option we have. However, nine times out of ten, the media has come to me. There seems to be a media appetite for the category beyond um, us needing to push it too far. Pretty much, you've made my point, is that the media is uh, dining out on this and uh, I think it's a bit of an SEO term for them. They've realised that there is interest um, from people hearing about them and so they're creating content themselves to fill that need. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's interesting to hear how much easier it has been for you to get public relations for this venture over your previous one because that marries with uh, what I'm seeing. Look, I think it's a very complicated uh, I- issue that uh, clearly you're uh, re- reaping the benefits of, which is great. I know. Does that bother you, do you think, on your, your No, but position? I was going to ask, how do you feel about the anti-alcohol 
groups, the formal anti-alcohol researchers and groups that describe the alcohol-free versions as essentially grooming the next generation of alcoholics. And, you know, the fl- by introducing them to the flavours of the alcoholic product, you're actually introducing them to the alcohol as well, even though it's not. I just think it's rubbish. You know, I mean, I think that um, that just anyone with, I mean, it's just common sense, isn't it? I mean, w- introducing who exactly to the taste? Like, like, are they who are they introducing? I mean, I do have a lot of parents come in. I do who are buying beer for their sixteen-year-old sons. Mm-hmm. I do, and I do. They, they, we do have that conversation in store about that. Now, I'm fi- not for women and not for girls and not for, for the wine, purely yeah. for the beer. And they've just said to me outright, my boy's 16 turning 17, he's just got his peas, he's going to parties and they're drinking beer. If he can bring along a non-alcoholic beer, put in a stubby holder and play along, then I'm proud of my son and that's what I'm encouraging. Um, so that's, I mean, where do I stand on that? My boy's 12, so for me, and you know, and my daughter's 14 and I certainly would not be encouraging them to drink non-alcoholic uh, products. I've never sold a product to anyone under sort of 25 years old in, in my store. It's, it's always the parents that are having that conversation. So is it a gateway to a 16-year-old for the taste? We're going to drink the beer anyway. We've all been 16. Let's come on. We've all been there. Um, if there was an alternative, why wouldn't you? And as 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 for a gateway to people who are like an in an AA or have gone sober, that's a really interesting conversation as well. As I my store is actually across the road from an AA like meeting. Interesting. Area. Okay. And have they expressed any concern about that? That you know whether having the flavour and the smell is going to trigger the repeat behaviour, or do they see it as a panacea that they can uh, uh, you know apply to get the flavour that they enjoy without the alcohol? Well, this is the thing. My store is in between. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. An AA place and also a rehab centre. And they both have very different methods to treat alcoholism. And so the AA people are not allowed to come in. And when they come in, they're sneaking in and they're telling (laughs) me the story that they're, they're not really allowed to. But for them, it's for them, I'm either going to go to vintage sellers across the road or I'm going to come here. I've decided to come here. That's those, that audience there. And they're like, I can't deny or whatever. I mean, these people are, you know, 30, 40 year old men. Um, the interestingly though, the people from the rehab center have a completely different attitude and their sponsors are encouraging the non-alc beer. So AA don't, but some of the other methods are. And they're saying that they're actually helping when when they're saying to me, when I can go home and drink this can at home in front of the TV and I don't have to think about the alcoholic beer, I feel fantastic. And so for them, it's an aid. Um, so it does completely depend on. So, in answer to your question, it depends on the process that the rehab center or the AA, mm. whatever their actual methods are, and they're driven by sponsors and whatever doctors or whoever they are but there's different there's really different opinions on that but you, you didn't knowingly put the uh, <laughs> set up shop between a rehab <laughs> and an AA did you no well don't forget I'm across the road from a major liquor store as yes. 
So, I mean, uh, no, it's just there's probably AA meetings and rehab centres in every suburb that we don't know about. I just know about <laughs> them because people come in. <laughs> and, and how do you go set, being across the road from Dan Murphy's then? Because they are increasingly, uh, you know, having you know, win- multiple doors of um, alcohol-free products as well. Yeah, it's not. It's not Dan's. It's vintage sellers. Oh, vintage um, sellers. Okay. But but same. But same. Same. I mean, well, the vintage sellers aren't as strong in terms of non-alc. Because Dan, Dan's interesting. Now, Dan's have increased their non-alc, but I question how much data they have on, and how much expertise they might have in their selection of products. Because I do look at what they're selling, mm-hmm. and I know that they've increased their SKUs. And I was nervous, and then I looked at the SKUs they're increasing, and I was thinking, "What do you, what are you doing? No one buys that, <laughs> you know. Uh, why didn't you buy this?" And and so um, I think that that they they have, and I think that's great because obviously, and and Woolworths as well, and and Coles, like they're all everyone's increasing their drinks, and that's fine, and it's wonderful, and it, and and it's a great ad for me, and it's it's great for the industry. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be detrimental to my business because when people go in there they kind of get a taste for it then they come to me as a specialty specialty store and then they'll they'll try the really good stuff um particularly with the wine and the spirits that i've seen that they've got so i don't feel threatened um but then also for nourish life my first business i mean chemist warehouse and priceline ended up stocking almost everything i had as well it was still a really successful business and i think i have a really good offering um, and I think there's a there's a place for a specialty store that just does non-alc as well. But many people don't want to walk into a liquor store and buy non-alc. If you're trying to cut down on alcohol, where are you going to buy? You know, <laughs> you make a good point. <laughs> and you know, many people don't really want to buy their beer or their wine non-alcoholic beer or any beer or wine really when they're buying their, their sort of their toilet paper. And that's not in the supermarket. <laughs> it's not really the right environment either. So I think I've got. I think I do have a little niche here. Mm-hmm. But okay, and what do you think of the supermarkets? Because that's the other criticism where you know supermarkets where anyone can go in and buy um, non-alc products. You know, how do you feel about them being stocked okay. in a general supermarket? Yeah, yeah, really interesting question. I actually wrote an opinion piece on this, and I sent it to the papers, and no one picked it up. So oh, obviously, nobody wanted we'll... to hear my. Maybe I should send it to you. Please do. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'd written an opinion piece on it um, because there's a organisation out there, uh, I can't remember who they are, what their name is now, but they're saying that it's not good, that it is, it's not a good place to be advertising um, non-alcoholic drinks. And even in Europe, you can buy alcoholic drinks from the supermarket, but you can't here. There's a little bit of confusion. Yeah, my opinion on that is the supermarket is absolutely no place at all for non-alcoholic beer, wine and spirits. Absolutely, categorically, no for so many reasons. Firstly, it is frequented by children, by kids, and kids and young adults don't really know the difference between a non-alcoholic beer and an alcoholic beer. They're just seeing Corona. They're just seeing Heineken. So they're being exposed to that branding very strongly on a daily basis, thousands of stores, um, with their parents and when you're in an environment like a bottle shop even like my shop kids aren't in there all the time getting their ice cream and snacks and with their parents and in their trolley it's a different environment so i think that don't think that's the great a great place for it anyway but from a brand perspective why would you want your product sold next to cordial 
we're trying to give adults and non-alcoholic alternative to the real thing. I'm not sure how I feel about it positioned with the cordial and and um, and the Cokes and the lemonades. So that's interesting. And then the, the price point on them as well is very, it's very obvious. So if someone will walk into my store and buy a $30 bottle of wine, not a problem at all, or, or some craft beer, you know, it's like $30 for a six-pack, not a problem. But in the supermarket, the price difference between that and, and sort of water and lemonade and tonic water is a lot bigger. So I, I think that there's just so many – it doesn't – it doesn't serve for anybody except for obviously the supermarkets trying to get a money grab for the category. And because they can sell it because it's uh, zero alcohol. I'm, I'm interested in the point that you make about it being sold with cordial because that's the suggestion that the anti-alcohol lobby suggested it's grooming. It's making children aware of the branding for the mainstream um, CUB products or the Heineken yeah. uh, products. Um, so so you agree uh, with, with that element of it but not that I do. they're a gateway drug for want of a better word. Well, I think there's a big difference about accessibility. Mm-hmm. I think ex- it's, it, exactly. So I think that being accessible next to your lemonade could be a gateway, yes, mm-hmm. in that environment, yes. But do I? But I don't think it's a gateway specifically in the right environment. So, like for example, kids and young adults aren't walking into Dan Murphy's and because and they're not walking into my store either, and they're not googling it online. You've got to go seek it out. Mm-hmm. To go seek it out is one thing, but to be hit with it. When you're just in the shopping, pushing around a basket, or you're with your parents at that, and you just want to get a Gatorade, I think that's a different environment. So, I, I, I'm not sure it's the right thing to do for supermarkets. Of course, I'm going to say that though. I don't want the supermarkets competing with me. <laughs> but you're you're honest about that, which is you know again, everyone's going to have a point of view that's shaped by something. So, Ken, what what are the laws around children coming into uh, Son Strengths? Is there any barrier or is it, as, as some people have described it, a bottle shop for alcohol-free drinks or a, you know, a, a bar for al- that only serves alcohol-free drinks, that's just a milk bar? Can, any, can kids under 18 walk in to your store? They can, but I would ask for ID and they haven't. Okay. No one. There's been a, there, there has only been one occasion in the three months that I've been open where we've had, um, we had like a someone like a kid come in and he was 13 and he um well, as soon as he walked in I was I thought here we go this is the first time I'm going to encounter this um and so I just asked him are you where's your dad where's your mum and they said oh they're just outside in the car and I said what did you want to buy and he wanted to buy a um a a coke a coke uh, in my fridge on like a butcher fridge like a cola yeah and that yep. was fine but had he I would not have sold him I definitely would not have sold him a non-alcoholic beer or wine, absolutely not. No. Um, so whilst I'm legally allowed to, I, I there there must be a social responsibility from people who are um, managing these stores. And I don't know if that social responsibility is at the checkout at Woolworths. That's it, and I mean you make an interesting point because straight away I'm wondering whether if a child is legally able to and. You know <laughs> whether they're being discriminated against. Um, have, have you spoken well, to yeah, lawyers about this? Well, yeah, they are in my store. Yeah. yeah, they are in my store, and I have no problem discriminating against them if they want to go. I mean, they wouldn't be able to go into Dan Murphy's and buy non-alcoholic. I don't think they would be allowed in the door, are they? I don't know how that works. I think every state has different liquor licensing laws, which is a, a challenge to keep up up with. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you now, for me, and when I roll out all of my stores, the the, the products will not be sold to anyone under. 
under 18 and if they look young they'll i'll be asking for id however if they want to pop in and get a kombucha or, or, or a soft drink then then that's fine but it doesn't lend itself to that audience i mean I, my my customer base is very strong 85 percent women health conscious women 30 plus mm-hmm. is my audience and then they're buying for the beer for their husbands i don't have a huge male i have 25 percent of yep. my audience being sort of men, but really it's a it's it's a women's. So I don't really have the issue with the kids, um, and like I said, the dads are coming in for their sort of seventeen year old sons. But apart from that, yeah, so it does really ask the question. It really does open us up for that debate on, on the supermarket because, you know, in that respect, when I look at it that way, the temptation is there because yeah. it's right in front of you. It, it's very interesting and. It, how do people go with the price? Because I would imagine that that's the other thing is that they're quite expensive. You're not saving anything over quite often the alcohol uh, versions of the same products. No, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, when I first started, everyone was up up in arms about the price of why is it not cheap like lemonade. If we take the liquor tax out of it for a second, mm. alcohol is not an expensive ingredient. So people are like, oh, there's no alcohol in it. Why is it costing you $4 or whatever? Well, well, alcohol's not, alcohol's not an expensive ingredient. It's not gold leaves in there. It's just <laughs> a cheap ingredient, right? Um, and so, are you? What price are you putting on getting drunk, right? Why is getting drunk an expensive? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, what, I, I what, do, yeah. that's a really. So then you just go, oh, what's the liquor tax then on on that? You know, and and if we take the liquor tax off, generally, when it comes to wine, if we take the liquor tax off, the prices are comparable to what a wine would be if you took the liquor tax off. Mm. Beer's a bit be, – beer's different. I mean, your Heinekens and your Cartons are cheap, so that's fine because they're mass-produced, but then you've got to go down to the argument of these craft beers are expensive because they're in low production mm. and, you know, they cost a lot of money to make. I mean, there's no margin in it anyway. It's not like people always attack me all the time on social media. I'm like, why don't you – Go on to Dan Murphy's social media and attack their prices. It's the same price. Why are you attacking? <laughs> why are you attacking me for selling, you know, heaps normal for what I'm paying or naught beer? And why don't you attack Dan Murphy's? They stock it too. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, there's always people that are going to complain. But I found it. I found it dropped off a lot in the last year. In the beginning, it, it was high, but I think less people are having a are having a whinge. Except when it comes to that. Oh my God, that Gordon's non alcoholic an alternative that post had so many so many people people who drink alcohol get really angry with me and i don't know why i got so many complaints to facebook about posting that post about the gin i don't think i saw it so just talk us through that so i posted a picture in my bottle shop of gordon's zero percent non-elk spirit mm-hmm. called a gin and i said Gordon's have made this. It very tastes like juniper. It makes a great G&T. I had so many people complain to Facebook that they took the post down. Really? Uh, but what was yeah. the basis of their complaint? I don't know the basis of the complaint because obviously Facebook don't tell me. But yeah. I had a lot of people report the post. A lot of people who drink alcohol got very angry. I, I had about two or three thousand comments it's been removed now Mm -hmm. but the comments if you read the comments i left all the comments on because i don't believe in the cancer culture right so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people um were saying that um it's snake oil 
and I'm a oh, rip really? off because it was $35. Yeah, and what a terrible idea it was. And why would anyone buy lolly water? And, yeah, so the people who drank gin were very, very, very um, passionate about – they were very angry that Gordon's had brought out a non-alcoholic alternative, which is kind of weird because it doesn't take away from them. I'm not going into your house and taking your beer or your gin away from you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just giving people another alternative. And I just thought that was a, a really – people who – it was the same when I was on a current affair. There's a certain demographic of Australia who are very, very, very angry about the non-alc space. They don't want it. They don't believe in it. And they honestly feel like it's, it's taking away from their regular drinking. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully uh, you don't think that that's me because uh, that, that wasn't my that wasn't my. Uh, um, no, 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 no. No, I don't. No, but um, no, I don't think you're that. I think you're you and your audience are probably are, are, are quite sophisticated. Um, but there are groups in Australia who don't get it yeah hey just i'm just conscious of the time as well um mm-hmm. so just before uh, it's been a great chat but i have to ask this question just sort of looking at where you are on sydney's northern beaches and talking about the price how how much do you think that this is a little bit sydney centric or you know um you know a middle upper middle class uh mindset that's willing to you know in, invest the dollars in in this or do you think this has much broader appeal right across uh the economy and right across the country I think that it has very broad appeal, but I think there are pockets that you're not going to convert. I don't know where they live, though. But it's not financial? It's not a financial um, challenge? It's just you know, maybe cultural or perception? Yeah, so you think about uh, socioeconomics and, and, and disposable income, and you think about the liquor industry, and you think about the non-alcoholic industry. There are drinks across the board. I mean, I sell – I mean, I can sell a – bottle of wine non-alcoholic wine for, for nine dollars and you can get an, an alcohol wine alcoholic wine in, in the liquor store for nine dollars it's a bit of an entry point could probably get something for six but something decent for about nine ten dollars a bottle um, and people will buy that there are people who are more than happy to chuck another two dollars on top of that nine bucks and get something decent but mm-hmm. in the non-alc space and i think that's where fresh water lends itself and some of the really nice areas or, or more um, like people that might have a bit more of disposable income. Those areas are all over Sydney though. Even like every area has people at all, you know, disposable income levels. But the beauty is the range. But you've got entry level at $10 and you can go up to $30. So, and everything in between. So if you're going to spend $10 on a bottle of wine, you can spend $10 on a bottle of non-alk wine. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to spend $30 on a, been three eighty nine. Then you spend thirty dollars on, you know, non elk sort of champagne alternative or something. So, I think that it's really imp- and the same with the beer. Beer is a great example. You can get a carton zero for a couple bucks a can, and then you can get a like a really expensive craft non elk beer for six dollars a can. Mm. And so you can still, depending on how much money you have, <laughs> I call it this. I call it payday. And what is it, non-payday, you know, on, <laughs> yep. you know what I mean? Like, on so non-payday, like, you, you spend a few dollars more and treat yourself. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, as you're coming into the end of your pay cycle a week <laughs> before payday, then you might just get the $2 can and then you get payday, you might get your Peroni or something. So, yeah, I think that there's um, a cross-section. I don't think that the non-elk space 
is a premium space, if that makes sense. Um, I, I do think it's a mindset space. I was just going to ask you about that because one of the things about wine culture and hearing you talk about wine for example one of the things about wine culture is the person who loves to build a cellar and go down to the cellar and pull out a wine you know five years after they've bought it and tell the story of where they got it or the winemaker and things I'd imagine that's not part of the alcohol-free wine culture. Unfortunately not at the moment but I am setting out to, to change that so I have a wine cellar and I was a very big wine collector in fact I sold all my wine to Langton's and that's how I started this business oh wow okay um yeah yeah so I'm like a Elderton command 2005 2006 girl and like the hill of grace <laughs> and I'm obsessed with with wine I'm a I'm, I'm I'm a real wine girl I know this is a beer podcast but I love wine and my wine, my my wine cellar is empty at the moment. I've got my vacuum cleaner in there and a free and an old fridge at the moment. It's like a storeroom, <laughs> okay. but you can't sell a non-elk. the The shelf life's not really there, mm. so that's something that makes me sad, actually. But I am working on some really wonderful wines, like private label wines, but working with wineries to do some stuff. and And I'm really wanting to focus on the collecting and the wineries they come from and the story behind those families because I think that's really important for when you're – it's part of the drinking pleasure mm. when you know where it came out, particularly if you went to the wine when you, you picked it up and you tried it at the cellar door. So I'm really passionate about that and I am trying to work out how I'm going to bring that in to the non-elk space. And I think I'm perfectly positioned to do that because of my passion towards that yeah. as opposed to – um, some people who are in the non-elk space that are just in the non-elk space because they're sober and they don't drink or they've never drunk. Th- those people are less educated about the alcohol space. I- I might not be as good at doing this long-term, I think, because they come from a different mindset. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that'll be interesting. I'll be, I'll be watching. Again, even though we are a beer podcast, we look at the industry as a whole because you know a lot of ideas from wine um find their way into in, into beer as well so um one question before i let you go do you still enjoy a drink like a an alcoholic drink from time to time oh that's a great question I, I let me say firstly no i don't drink so when i started the business i wasn't drinking mm-hmm. and i felt really great and then i started the business and i just i felt really good and then I decided I wasn't going to drink because I wanted to throw myself into it because I thought that the business needed to be in the sober space. Yep. So I thought I better not drink because that's not me and I want to throw myself into the business. And then I realised actually, no, technically, if I really want to live and breathe sans drinks, I should have a, a, a few drinks still during the week. I, I should technically because that's who my audience is. And then I wouldn't be hypocritical at all about when I talk about where it sits in, in in the space of things. However, I don't drink, and that's because purely for the fact that it actually makes me feel crap and I have to run a business and I need to be on my game all the time. So that's really the re- just a personal choice. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my husband who works in my, the business with me, I mean, he still has a beer on the weekend, an alcoholic beer on the weekend, and there's no judgment there. So, um, so yeah, there's no judgment, but I just, I just don't for, for my own benefit so I can get up early and talk to you and not <laughs> not feel like not feel hungover but there you know there's just so much great non-alcoholic drinks out there that you, I don't really need to because it's like a smorgasbord but that said I could probably get a lot of alcohol from I could probably access 
I'm thinking I could probably access some really good alcohol through some of my suppliers now, you know, because they sell both. <laughs> um, and I could probably they build up the care. seller now. <laughs> no, I know. I could probably build that seller up again. But I actually just, if I had the choice, I'd just take the non-alk one and just think it tastes better now. It's weird. I don't miss it. There you go. I think that's as good a place as any uh, to, to finish on. Uh, but you're certainly making the no elk uh, space very, very fun. So, Irene Falcone, thank you very much for your time. And thank you very much for uh, reaching out, you know, and, and not just, uh, you know, getting cross um, when, when you'd heard that we'd had a chat because it's been a, I really appreciated this chat with you today. That was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And that was Irene Falcone. As things stand... I still think I was right to go on a tear about that particular media release. I still think that the alcohol-free category is PR-driven and that the media coverage that that PR generates is out of proportion to the current size of the AF industry yet. But at the same time, I really enjoyed and liked my chat with uh, Irene. She's got a lot of very interesting things to say about the category And I certainly took note of a lot of what she was saying and the insights that she's bringing to what she does. I wish Sonstrengths every success and I'll be definitely checking in with Irene again to find out how things are going. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Below the Fold. I really look forward to the discussion about this one in our Facebook group or through our emails or the other places you can reach out to us. And you can find a link to that group in the show notes. Radio Brews News and Below the Fold is produced by Vivian Topalovic and edited by Joanne Helder. Look forward to seeing you next Tuesday night for a Beer as a Conversation and again next week for Brews News Week. 